Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. I was going on, Coach Luca, back here with the Vigor Life Podcast with none other than the protector of the realm of conditioning, the king of the three. And I said, we, King I'm of gonna, the morph. <laughs> yeah, the king of the morph. The king of the morph. Man, that's let's fucking Let's not hilarious. start talking Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not go there. That episode was yeah, not good. Let's not go there. But be we, we've been on this tip, man. I watched like six, in six weeks, watched eight years of Game of Thrones. Yeah. But, and, um, and, and it all came to a, And we're just disappointed as fuck. Disappointed. Uh, yeah. We'll, 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 now we'll, you know, we'll do a whole separate show on this, on the theories going on with that. But uh, I'm so happy to have Joel back. Um, it was actually one of the most, uh, this is a long time ago, but it was one of the most popular podcasts that we did. It's been a couple and years. Been a couple of years, yeah. And then and, uh, that one, like I said, like people have been hitting me up uh, to get him back on. And here he is. That's and we, right. got, we got some, uh, some, I would say, powerful questions, man. This is, you know, because the thing is, since the last time we talked, it's not like, Obviously, there's more information than than there's ever been. But if you look at the industry, I would say there certainly hasn't been enough progress in um, conditioning energy systems. And that's the one thing I'm going to ask you, too, is, you know, what people think of what conditioning is. If you go to a a person and they say, I'm going to go do cardio. Yeah. Everyone says that. Everyone everyone does cardio. Everybody does cardio. Who doesn't do cardio? Right. But if you if you say energy systems or conditioning or like they're not usually fitting into that same space. So let's start off with just like the big, because once again, like our goal is to like really educate, not only just, I would say the the person that's trying to get in the best shape, but like, but coaches, there's still like so many coaches that I would say don't understand enough about, and I'll say it straight up, like don't understand enough about energy system to be, to effectively be able to help their clients recover, lose fat, be conditioned. Uh, I mean, I would just say it's, energy in general they don't understand and correct uh you know it comes down to everything is by energy there there's a great quote by a guy named herman dr herman ponzer it's life is a game of turning energy into babies and really that's <laughs> what survival and life is about everything we're biologically designed to do is survive and and pass on our genes to uh, future generations and that all comes down to just energy in general so Energy system training is really any sort of training. You're you're always you know producing see, lots and, of energy. And, and see, that's the thing too. Like for for instance, because I I I know that people that once you start talking about energy system training, somebody is not thinking. Well, strength training is that everything but, is but energy. It, but it is. Everything is training a certain exactly. type of energy because everything that you do requires energy to do it. Whether you're lifting weights, doing some cardio, sleeping, walking around, it doesn't matter. Your body is always always producing energy, and the second that it doesn't. You're gonna fall over and die. So everything that comes and down you're to not energy, making that's what it comes back down like to. John Snow. No, there's no more light to take you back. You're probably screwed. Let's be honest. But the thing, you know, with with, with saying that is, is once again, like people put that shit in the boxes. So what yeah. is like if you could say a parallel? What's the biggest misconception about yeah, the, conditioning? The biggest cardio? misconception is that they're two different things, or that a only an athlete needs conditioning. Right. The reality is, anyone that's doing cardio or doing any sort of heart rate training, whatever you want to call it is doing conditioning. They're just not calling it that. So we've traditionally kind of boxed conditioning as, the, oh yeah, this thing that an athlete does to you know, get in shape for a competition or for the season or whatever. But the reality is, even if someone's just training for life, you know, that's something to train for, right? You're just trying to look better, feel better, perform better, not die. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's something a that you think, that's a goal, a right? One. Not dying is a good goal. So anyone that's trained for those things needs cardiovascular development, which is where the word cardio really comes from, right? So I would say the misconception is just that hey, I don't really need conditioning. I'm not an athlete. Well, you need cardiovascular development because you're a human being. 
So yes, you do. You're just not calling it conditioning, but what you're doing is preparing you for something. Now, this, different. I, I, I've I've heard you say this before, and and you know some people will get like really up in their shit, like no strength is the most important factor, and obviously like strength is, is very important. But you've said before, and maybe that was a little bit of punch in the face to kind of bring it up, but that yeah. cardio is more important. Yeah, than I mean, strength, I th- look, I, I think if we're looking at the big picture of life in general you need both i mean there's yep. there, there is research out there that shows you know older populations that have strength move you know basically live longer but the reality is probably the reason they live longer is because they can get up and move around and they can be active if you don't have the strength to stand up you're probably not doing a whole lot of work so there's there was a paper uh, that came out there's a big review it looked at lots of different papers of different types of athletes and different types of uh, things like that and then looked at life expectancy mm-hmm. and you know, they looked at powerlifters, team sport athletes, you know, a variety of different types of sports and athletes. And the only athletes that they found that lived longer than substantially longer than the average person were aerobic endurance athletes who lived up to like seven or eight years, if I remember right, longer than the average person. That's a, so that's a that's big, a, that's that's a big, big difference, that's right? That's plus. Yeah. That's, yeah being, just being generally active will increase your life expectancy by a couple of years compared to being sedentary, which mm-hmm. actually isn't that much if you think about it. But if you're talking seven or eight years, you're talking 10% increase in life expectancy. That's a massive number. And the reality is it's because the aerobic system and, and this sort of work helps your body prepare for the stress of life because it is what drives recovery. Everything that your body uh, has to go through has some level of stress on it that it then has to recover from, whether it's mental stress, physical stress, combinations of both. The aerobic system drives recovery and the aerobic system turns off the inflammation that's produced for all these things. So if you don't have a decent level of aerobic fitness, which is what most of us would think about in terms of general conditioning, you're setting yourself up for long-term problems. And if you consider this ridiculous fact that one out of every three people in the U.S. at least, roughly, dies from cardiovascular-related disease, there's not a whole lot of research showing that strength training by itself is going to prevent cardiovascular Mm -hmm. disease. It's, it's, you know, making tribute. It's it's certainly beneficial in some means. But we know from decades of research that cardiovascular training prevents cardiovascular disease. So, uh, you know, if, if we're talking about one of every three people dying of cardiovascular disease and 80% roughly of those things are preventable and cardiovascular training, which we would consider conditioning is the best thing that we've seen to prevent that and, and treat that, it's a pretty clear thing that conditioning and all the, whatever you want to title it is, you know, the most important if your goal is to, you know, stay alive. But, but I think you brought, you brought up something important though because if you look at, you know, life in general, okay, so work, stress, kids, training, yep. that the, the higher level of aerobic fitness that you have basically like fights against that essentially right because otherwise the, the stressor is bigger if exactly. you can't recover well yep. you don't have the capacity to recover well then everything yeah, becomes screwed. more of a stressor yeah there's there's a right? good paper um that, that i was looking at not too long ago where they like will just they'll have people do like a really mentally demanding task like they'll sit there and have them solve some some math puzzle or some you know something that's basically mentally challenging and they measure the rise of, of what are called cytokines which can be both pro or anti-inflammatory and but particularly look at some ones that are pro-inflammatory mm-hmm. and you see that like this elevation and in inflammation for up to like four or five sometimes even six hours after you've like gone through this mentally demanding thing so that's what people i would say that's the biggest misconception people have is you know it mental stress is inflammatory it's it's demanding it's something that puts a lot of um you know damage and wear and tear in the body over many years it's up to the aerobic system Essentially, to help your body cope with that stress, which is it's anti-inflammatory. Man, this People is the, don't get. this is what's perfect for, for you, because 
uh, and even in your presentation at the Vigor Summit, some of the stuff that you talked about is about you know why why people don't obviously like build muscle or burn fat, or because first of all, the last place that the brain is gonna uh, I would say allocate energy is towards things like yeah, building muscle because exactly. it's not as important no, it's as not, survival. It's, it's, <laughs> so, it, I mean, it's actually. In many ways, detrimental, detrimental to, it, right, to survival. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I said, if you were, uh, you know, when's the last time you saw like a four hundred pound jacked out his mind lion out in the wild? Yeah, probably not that often because if there's a famine or food supply is short, they're screwed. They have way too much muscle mass. They have all this energy, and their body is not well, you know, equipped to survive that. Fat. Think about this: a pound of fat has nine calories, right, mm-hmm. per gram of fat. Gram fat yeah. Protein has four. So if you're talking about long term energy storage of surviving famines you actually want more fat and less muscle because muscle requires less energy or uh, more energy sorry to to upkeep and it produces less energy in case of a famine if you have to burn it so we're not biologically hardwired to be jacked and tan it's just <laughs> not the case and so but the, the so that point though when it comes to stress, because we're more stressed than ever, right? Oh, yeah, so, so now you think like we're less conditioned than ever, more stressed than ever, mm-hmm. and then you got two whammies. Well, that, I think that, you got three whammies, right? Less conditioned, more stress, more nutrient and uh, nutrient dense, more calorically dense foods for cheaper prices. So you have a bunch of people stressed out of their mind from work, eating more calories every single day with lower levels of aerobic fitness and conditioning in general. So. That's why you have one out of three people in the country die from cardiovascular disease. I mean, it's, the, it's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. But, that, but I think that's a, a good point is because when somebody thinks about I'm stressed out, like which, you know, things like strategies to reduce stress, which, um, you know, meditation and walking in nature, obviously sleep is, right, we, we talk things. about sleep, how important yeah. sleep is. But, but nobody goes like, well, let me, let me go do more cardio or a specific type of cardio to battle this and to have yeah. a better foundation to not be as stressed. Yeah. Or if uh, they do, they go in and just crush themselves. Crush themselves. Which is, yeah, even, which yeah. is contributing to the Con- problem. Contributing I mean, to the problem, uh, yeah. You know, there's a trade-off. You, you have to develop fitness, which means you have to train and put yourself in stress. But then you have to actually give your chance to buy to recover and repair it and, and you know, improve itself. And that's the other thing that people make the mistake of is the body's energy supply is limited. It can't produce you know, an, an ending amount of energy every day. It's like you know, your job. You can only work so many hours in a day, if you, even if you can work 24 hours a day, that's it, you've topped out your salary yeah. if you're getting paid on an hourly basis. So our body has a certain amount of energy it can produce, and once you go above that threshold, it's not producing more energy, it's just redirecting it from one source to the uh, to another. So you know, if you're mentally stressed out, which takes energy, if you're running around dealing with life, and then you go to the gym and you crush yourself, like you've put it out so much energy that you might not have enough to actually use you know any leftover to repair yourself and to build yourself back up and see those changes in fitness so that's where i like to differentiate between overtraining and under recovering because mm-hmm. they're not always the same you don't necessarily have to do massive volume of training to still be what i would consider under recovered meaning you're not getting the full benefit of that training because you're not allowing your body to fully recover and adapt to it in which case you're just putting lots of wear and tear in your body for nothing because you're putting stress on the joints and the tissues but you're not repairing those um, you know, those micro tears and damages and making your fitness better. So over time, when you do that, you know, you're, you're ultimately just putting wear and tear without the benefit of it. So, so with that said, like, because I think that right now we kind of live in this, you know, you're either going super hard or you're not going at all. So like, let's t- yeah. like th- think about the implementation. Okay. Actually, let's, let's go to this first. Sure. Let's talk about not just cro- let CrossFit for sure. Cause, cause I want to rouse some people up. Um, <laughs> but, you, <no. laughs> but, uh, but also like, honestly, like just the rise of the rise of, uh, I would say high intensity sure. 
group training, you know, so whether it's the Orange Theories, the Burn Boot Camps, the, I mean, you name it, right? Like, yep. um, how is that, first of all, you know, when you do look at the science of, I was energy system training, and a, an average person goes like, hey, you know what? Like, I want to get in shape. Uh, I haven't been doing much, but let me go to, you know, any of these places and train four to five days a week, you know, for 45 to 60 minutes and, and obviously go hard in the paint because that's what happens. Like, yep. from a, like what, first of all, like, what does that do to the body? Because that was the question. Can you train high intensity five days a week at that level, like 45 to 60 minutes for, for an average no. person? No. And, and get, and, and get let's, let's put it this way. If you're a professional athlete, who has phenomenal genetics, you have all the hours in the day to rest and relax, you're not training, you don't have a ton of mental stress, you have your nutrition completely dialed in, you're sleeping well, yeah, then maybe you can get away with that sort of stuff. But 99.9% of the population does not fall into that category. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just the reality of it. Uh, You know, they don't have the genetics of a world-class athlete. They're stressed out working 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Their nutrition probably could use some improvement here and there. You know, they're sleeping probably less than what they need to sleep. So no, they're they're ultimately not going to be able to take advantage of all that training because they're not going to have the energy left over to actually recover from it. So you know, again, it's it's how much training can you do that you can still recover, recover and adapt from. from. Yeah, yeah. Anything more than that, you're just taking away energy from recovery. And you're putting more stress in your body for nothing. And that's why I mean, you are obviously somebody starting is going to see some results. You're going to have adaptations, but sure. that's why you see people hit that wall. And so, what are you know? Yeah, let's, what are, yeah, let's talk about it for one sec. So. Everyone loves to cite the damn Tabata study, right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. loves the Tabata study. Yeah. I mean, Tabata study has been used to justify high-intensity training everything. more than just about any damn study yeah. in the face of the earth. Probably, definitely with more study than any other study. There were seven people in the Tabata group, and there were seven people in the non-Tabata group, for God's sakes. We're talking about 14 people. <laughs> okay, the other thing is the Tabata high-intensity group, they saw changes in their VO2 max for three weeks. They saw this, this improvement, and then it, it plateaued. The lower so, that, so that doesn't get talked about first. No, it doesn't no, get talked yeah, about. Yeah, it was yeah. only a half the program, their VO2 max improved, and the other half it didn't. So the second three weeks, no change in VO2 max. The other group that did less, uh, you know, didn't do the high-intensity training saw continuous improvement over those six weeks. Hmm. So they were seeing constant improvement throughout the six weeks versus the second or the Tabata group who wasn't. So it just basically, it summarizes. High-intensity produces big results for a very short period of time, and then you plateau. And there's only so much you can keep increasing intensity before you're going to fall apart. So we just have to realize that, yes, if we're looking at a very short window, like three weeks, four weeks, you know, yeah, higher intensity is always going to get better results in that short window. But if we're talking about six weeks, eight weeks, 12 months. Life. Life. Yeah, <laughs> you have to have a much more balanced approach to it. You can, you can go in and crush yourself for three weeks, but you can't go out and crush yourself for three months or three years without paying the consequences. That's what it comes down to. And I mean, the thing is, this is kind of like one of those like duh questions, but you know, what does overtraining show up as? You know, how do you, how do you know? How does a person that's listened to this, that's not a, not a coach maybe, actually I would even say for coaches just as much, but, but a person that started doing some high intensity training, they're going to, you know, group oriented class, they're, 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 they're going hard in a pain, you know, four or five days a week. Like Actually, I'm, let's let's talk about this. How do you know if you're under recovered? If you're training your ass off and nothing's getting better, hmm. right? So no, like if no, I'm going to the gym four or five days a week and I'm not constantly seeing improvements, obviously I'm putting the work in. If yep. I'm not seeing the results, it's because I'm not recovering well enough to see my body actually adapt to it, which I would say is, you know, equally or even more common than what we call overtraining. I mean, when I look yeah. at overtraining, you know, you're talking about causing so much volume and intensity that your body starts to, uh, because, you know, break down. You feel less motivated. You see changes in hormone levels. Your power output decreases. Your heart rates, you know, can't get elevated as high usually. You know, you see all these physiological symptoms of too much training. But I would say what's just as common or more is 
you know, doing more than your body can actually adapt to. So like I said, the biggest thing is, hey, if I'm going to the gym four or five, six days a week and I'm training hard and I'm just not really getting better, like, and, what and the yo, hell are you doing? You said something that I do want to bring up because most people think that when they're under-recovered, their heart rate is going to be super high. No, often it'll be lower. But it'll be lower. In the long run, in the long run, it depends kind of how far you, pr- you yeah, push it. Yeah, how far you push uh, it. Short term, it'll be higher, but then long term. Yeah, I mean, basically, you're, you're going to see this decreased responsiveness to all these stress hormones, like mm-hmm. adrenaline and noradrenaline. Like, if you just flood your body with these hormones all the damn time, then your body basically desensitizes itself and then ultimately produces less in general. So you'll see your heart rates won't elevate once you kind of get past a certain point. But again, you should be going to the gym and training to see progress. Otherwise, what the hell's the point, yeah. right? So if, if you're not seeing, hey, my heart rate recover, my heart rate recovery is getting better, uh, you know, or I'm losing body fat, that's my, if that's my goal, or my strength isn't improving, if that's my goal. If you're not seeing the changes, even though you're doing the work, there's a reason for that. Chances are you're probably already trained hard enough if you're going in there to the gym every day and, and doing that. I mean, most people, I would say, uh, you know, are putting work in these days because everyone's bought into the idea, but how many of them are actually seeing a continued constant improvement even if they're not you know 20 percent a week there's there should be some progress in what you're doing and if you don't see that progress there's a reason for that so and you know tracking i mean i think tracking obviously is very important it's, it's easier to think about tracking weight tracking body fat percentage you know that's i think a little easier concept to to see but i think you know this is the thing that we talked about years ago and still is still like not happening obviously no. let alone uh in a wider scale but it's like tracking Recovery tracking your conditioning, heart and seeing rate. heart 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 rate monitors and yep. HRV and you know, and and that's like so. What would you, put it this way? I'm actually going to skip ahead and we'll come back. But like ideally, right? If if this is ideal and and you're like, hey, in ideal world, group training, what does it look like to make it better? Or maybe even like, okay, what's not maybe completely optimal, but what would be better than what it is right now? Yeah, I think you know what I mean. Better is setting the goal of of constant improvement rather than just setting the goal of how many calories can you burn uh, which is really like literally what most heart rate type training group fitness classes yes. are like I want to burn as many calories as I possibly can mm-hmm. like that's not the right goal right yeah. the goal should be I'm going to train myself at the you know the intensity and volume necessary to get better mm-hmm. so uh, I think the easiest kind of way to describe that is is personalization right you, you've got to be able to group people into different fitness levels and they should have different intensities someone who's a beginner does not need the same intensity that somebody who is you know a high level athlete with a high level of fitness to start with so just figuring out how do we build group training sessions and classes in general that are more personalized than just everyone doing the same damn thing and then also like i said you shouldn't have five maximum intensity group training sessions a week like you're ultimately going to pay the price for that so there should be some group class options, I think, for people that, that they can go to that aren't designed to push your body to its maximum capacities, but that are designed to foster and facilitate recovery. So I think you you know, need to have classes that are not just all high intensity, kill yourself, but you know, maybe you have a couple classes a week that are recovery driven classes, or maybe you have some more moderate classes. I think yep. people just need to get away from this like one class size fits all approach and start offering classes that you know aren't just about running to the ground, but are also about facilitating recovery as well. And so that, you know, was something that you're working on, obviously, that I, I certainly am going to be a part of, but like a couple of things that we do that I want to bring to the forefront of how you can do this. Number one, 
you whether it's the same class, but people know their heart rates. Yeah, and exactly. Personalized. As I'm saying, personalization. Within right? a larger group, still having personalized and knowing yep. which zones they should be in. Yep. Uh, number two is, you know, we now have two. We're, we're going on to three mobility sessions, which you're still going to get an elevated heart rate, but no, nowhere more than 120 yep. to 140. Uh, as well as where we'll tell people come in like here's your program that's aerobic power based or you know um, high intensity continuous training something that's going to elicit recovery and they understand that yep. and they can go like you know what I'm smoked okay cool well this is what you got going on uh, and I think that's the future um, and certainly I, I think the tools and you know some of the stuff that you're working on it's really really exciting is the tools to bring to the forefront to be able to to have gym owners do that yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the biggest problem is it's it's hard to do, right? If you know everybody using heart rate monitors and you just kind of say, oh, the, the, the goal is to crush yourself, then that's easy to do. Yeah. But what's more difficult is, okay, I'm going to give each person the right amount of volume and intensity for them to see the improvements and the, the reach their goals. So, you know, that takes a more concerted effort. That takes using heart rate training. That takes using some technology. And it takes the right mindset of, hey, we're going to do things differently than everybody else, which is something I want to stress. If, if you're just running a high intensity, you know, kick your ass in the ground class, join the damn club. Like that, that's everywhere. Yeah. Like, how are you going to yeah. separate yourself as a gym owner or a business owner or a coach or whatever from everybody else doing the same shit? I mean, you're just another high intensity class and you're competing with 15 of them around the block. Like mm-hmm. that's a waste of time. Number one, because it's not as effective. But, you know, number two, because, again, I'm now just another you know, person doing the same thing that everybody else's industry is doing that every other class is, is run like. So, you know, I think if your goal is, Hey, I want to get people better results. I want to get people results for the long term, And I want to separate myself and build my coaching business by being better. Then you have to take, you know, a different approach. You have to do things differently. And, and it starts by one, like knowing what you're doing, right? Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. It's just like, which, and, and at the end we'll, we'll mention it, but obviously, I mean, I've, I've always been the biggest proponent of, you know, Joe Sir. The, the bioforce condition cert, which is absolute best. But the thing is, once you go through that, it's kind of almost like, holy shit, like, what am I doing? And to, you know, to give an example, just like, think about this, right? Most, and look, we, we still have some of this going on. Like, what, what I would say is that we've done well and continue to do well is like educating people on mm-hmm. where they should be and what they should do. But if you have, um, you know, which everybody does, you've got a lot of different populations. Susie Sue comes in, she hasn't trained in five years them very little things and then we have a 30 on 30 off and then you have a high level athlete or or i don't know a college athlete that's pretty damn conditioned you know 30 seconds of high intensity for you know susie how much can she even exert number one but but that's gonna get her like tired right the other person is gonna be able to exert more is gonna make them tired but like if their heart rate would come below 130 beats per minute in very different time frames right completely different the athlete might be able to be down in 30 seconds, maybe. Yeah. And plus, the athlete's got a specific goal, specific goal, exactly. energy systems. Yep. Like, you know, uh, even taking two athletes, college athletes, one's playing soccer, one's playing football, or another one's a rower, like, they're not going to need the same interval training program. Yep. They're doing completely different things. Mm-hmm. Their body has to be developed to produce the energy that they need for their sport versus Susie, who just wants to, again, you know, not die yep. and probably walk around until she does die so she can, you know, interact with her family and her kids and not just be, a, you know, an invalid as she as she gets older. So those are entirely separate goals. So mm-hmm. to think they should be on the exact same program or doing the same intervals and the same conditioning, it just doesn't make any damn sense. It's, and it, it's, the thing that, like, I want to bring up is, though, that they, Whereas maybe somebody that's more trained and conditioned and stuff might be able to regulate this better, maybe, because let's be real, like most athletes don't do that well either. Yep. But for a person that's coming in and going like, hey, look, I'm, I want to have the best results ever, 
and then three months in finds himself like starting to get because what happens when you're you know under recovered is like now you get soft tissue injuries right because you're reaching threshold you're having you know you're lethargic motivation goes down like yep. stress goes up you're having a tough time sleeping it's actually funny there's uh, going back to the body stuff because i love to harp on that uh, there, was, <laughs> there was a longer term paper i think it was 12 weeks and they essentially had this really high intensity group they had this moderate intensity group and they had this lower intensity group and they measured two things that were really interesting. Number one, they kind of measured these markers of improvement across the three months. Now, interesting enough, the markers across three months are almost identical between the super high intensity group, kind of moderate and the lower intensity. Their overall change in fitness levels was very similar between the, third, between the three groups. But what was more interesting is they actually had everybody rate their exercise enjoyment. Basically, like, how much do you like doing this or not like doing this? Which group do you think rated the lowest for exercise enjoyment? Highest, highest intensity. Yeah, highest intensity group by far said, this sucks. Mm. And they didn't ultimately, over those 12 weeks, see any greater changes in the other groups. So do the math. Like if I'm trying to run a business and my people say, this sucks, I don't like it, and they're not getting any better results than somebody who's working much, you know, not killing themselves every day and says they enjoy their program more, who's going to oh, stick that's, around longer? Yeah, man, that's, that's, who's yeah. going to stick around longer? Who's going to stay in your gym versus who's not? I mean, it's pretty obvious. You know what's crazy is that like we, because in nutrition, this is starting to kind of grab a hold a little bit right like sustainability yeah like, exactly that if you if you go on a diet and it's extreme you're gonna not want to stick to the diet so okay yep. eat the foods that you like yeah, it's but the same it's, thing it's a binge training it, right? yeah it's like, exactly. it just doesn't work and it's the same thing in fitness that that's actually pretty fascinating but because we right now there is this mentality of and look hard work is important but crushing yourself into the ground over a non-stop period of time is yeah. actually going to take you backwards rather than forwards. Yeah, exactly. Not, so, not, only, not only that, even if, you know, even if it was effective, if, again, same thing, if, if I had this perfect diet that I could guarantee you would cause you to lose all this fat and build all this muscle, but you hated it, like how many people are really going to do it for the long run? Very few. Very few. And your associate, the other problem too is your association with it becomes shitty, right? Because the person yeah. that went, hey, I did this high intensity thing for five months i lost weight then i stalled i got hurt fucking hated doing it like yeah. wasn't enjoying exactly now you go like hey you should start training again i don't they associate training with, with super high intensity and crushing yep. yourself and now they don't want to do it just like food right like going exactly. to diet fuck i don't want to do that yeah because they think it's one thing right it's really really strict yeah, and that's the you know that's the problem too is i think a lot of you know coaches and trainers you know they're in the fitness industry it's what they've been doing their entire damn lives and their view of like, you know, the sacrifices and the, the hard work in terms of diet and all the other variables, like they're, they're, that's what they do, right? I mean, that's why you're in fitness because you're into those sort of things. Your average person is walking in the gym. It's not, that's why they're not a damn trainer. They work <laughs> at Microsoft, they do something else. They don't view training and nutrition and all these things with the same passion and, and zeal that you do. Otherwise, that might be in the fitness industry too. So you can't make all these assumptions about like what works for you, which is what a lot of coaches do. Like, oh, this still, works really well still, for me. Yeah. This is the training that I do. This is yeah. the diet I follow. Well, great. You you run a damn gym. Like this is your life. For most people, it's not. So what's sustainable for you? Very well is probably not sustainable for the average person walking your doors. That's just the reality of it. And so you know, I, I think we we continue to as an industry. I think still too much try to bring other people into our world rather yeah. than going into theirs absolutely and going like hey man what could this person do with like three four moderate tra training sessions a week or maybe some yeah. are higher some are lower but i'm you know, actually leveling them out you know what i mean yeah and even just like with athletes you know combat sports was on a big you know increase for a long period of time and you had 
all these combat athletes looking for strength coaches. And then you'd have these strength coaches who trained at, you know, football athletes their entire career, all of a sudden writing these strength conditioning program for combat athletes. And you make the mistake of thinking that like, you know, hey, well, they're a high level athlete. They should be able to follow the same program as an off season football player. I tried that shit until I went over and started actually doing all the combat work myself. I'm like, this is destroying me. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way you can do the right program. So you learn quickly, like you always have to go to what the other person's life and, and demands are. Rather than like thinking that they act, they exist in some vacuum where you can do all this here and they're just outside the, your gym doing all this stuff, it doesn't matter. Hell yeah, it matters. Everything they're doing matters. So, I think you just have to realize the the demands of you know working 40, 50, 60 hours a week and having a family life and a social life. That shit can't be forgotten. And it's, attention. It was the thing is weird because you do have to have obviously um, you know getting into training and. And, and doing strength training, doing these things, there's some discipline involved. There's some obviously, you know, habits that you got to change and things like that. But I, I think it just gets pushed. The pendulum gets, you know, kind of pushed that way. And I think a lot of the, but the marketing and everything else, is kind of like, man, you know, like you, you got to go hard no matter what. This yeah, no that and the other. Gain, right? And uh, and and, and it's interesting because like I'm, I'm certainly like you know when it comes to my own training in my in a bubble. And what's funny is that, you know. I cut it down and like in the last two months and like my results went up, right? Cause, <laughs> exactly. cause, cause it's cause you enjoy it. You're right. Like, it's yeah, you, like, oh, do you, it. you enjoy it. But then once again, it's like, how do you replace? But for me, like a, a big part of it was too, even though I understood it, I was like, man, as long as I do stuff. So like I do a lot more aerobic power work. I do a lot more like recovery type training and I feel like I'm doing stuff, yep. right? Which is important for people that feel, have to want to feel like they're doing stuff, Exactly. but it's actually given me benefit and progress and results yep. versus, you know, like fuck, like I'm, you know, I'm well, if you, I mean, if you just kind of, if you've always had this mindset, which you know, again, a lot of coaches are, are going to have, is the more I work, the more I gain, or the harder I work, the more I gain. Then you're always like, oh, I'm not working hard enough. I'm not going to get results. I'm not. Uh, it, you know, it it actually drives like, it because a person that thinks that way. I remember I had like OT overtraining syndrome when I was super young, 17, because I was a nutcase, just training all the well, time. Well, I mean, we all know that. When you're 17, you mean come on, you're still yeah. nutcase. <laughs> it was it was it was uh, pretty crazy, but it was like one of the coaches. He said that that was that was a huge problem with the triathletes he was training because he was when they would get tired. They would think they need to train more. Oh yeah, it's the same thing. With combat so sports is the same damn way, right? Similar, yeah. I mean, tactical athletes, a lot of them, the same way. I mean, bury the, themselves. And, yeah, it's and, just the mindset of like thinking that the you, if you're not crushing yourself, that you're not seeing the results. You're going to see the results. It's just it's a mindset issue more than anything else. It's it takes. I get that question a lot. Actually, it's you know how do I get my athletes to do X, Y, and Z? Well, get a few of them that trust you to buy into it, show them results, and then the rest becomes easy because that's what it comes down to. If you actually start to see results like holy shit I, I actually am getting better without doing as much then you want to keep doing it I mean that's Dude, what it comes down you to you know what I, I, as you were saying that like it, I, that story came to my mind or the, or the swimming the Chinese oh, yeah. judo team <laughs> or you just throw them in a pool <laughs> yeah you just throw them in a pool exactly yeah I mean that's you see that in a lot of other countries I mean I think uh, China's a good example I've been over there several times I'm about to go back over there and that is their entire mindset is, is literally like how many hours a day are there well, can we figure out how to put more hours a day so we could train people more than that? I mean, that's literally kind of their their uh, philosophy, and and you see the results. Like, it, it pays off with some gold medals, but the number of athletes that are just destroyed that it's, might have actually insane. been been high level athletes that they had a different approach is you know is mind boggling, and it's it's a price that they're willing to pay. I mean, they're willing to break a thousand athletes to get to one. But yeah, what happens if you're if you're one of those thousand athletes, right? Your life sucks. Like yeah. you got destroyed in the program that didn't have to happen that way. So, uh, you know, we live in a society where we don't really want to 
kill 100 people to find one good one. Like we want everyone to succeed and achieve their goals and, and benefit but, from but fitness. You are seeing that in specialization in sports though. With oh yeah, kids it's too, crazy. Right it's now. gotten like, crazy. And youth athletes are just, it's nuts. It's, and, and like, man, I, I don't even bring up the who, but like the example of actually just in the last couple of weeks, the two people that I talked to, they're like, as I'm having a conversation, whether it's with the parent, you know, or with, I'm like, holy shit, like, this is insane. Oh, you know, Twelve it's, years old, fourteen years oh, old. Yeah, and I'm like the, the hours are. Dude, it's, it's club sports, and then it's high school sports, and then it's like playing on some other club team when your club team's not playing, yeah. like soccer, or volleyball, basketball. I mean, all of those sports you are. Not, they're not just year round. They're just like nonstop. Nonstop. And I, I actually glad I brought this up because for for anybody who's listening to this, and if you're a parent, like this is you know this is like the. Um, but first of all, over you know every sport has a pattern that's specific to it yeah. i mean I, let's take baseball because it's so you know obviously if you're pitching or hitting i mean it's like one-sided one arm that has the fastest movement in sports and you're doing it all year round and then when it's off season you go and you do uh camps and you do showcases and you do that and like literally all that's year all you round do. you are putting your arm through like just the most insane amount of volume like you will get crushed guaranteed yeah. this is guaranteed it's basketball same thing right now you know i, I talk to teams and it's like Oh well, they got this. Then I'm like, well, when do you train to actually get better? Yeah, you know, it's exactly. like, well, we train, we we just go and play. And I said, no, no, that's fucking not training. That's well, another interesting point is, you know, everyone everyone talked about the ten thousand hour rule that yep. was made popular. This idea that you just, you know, like expertise comes from just massive repetitions. Now, obviously, you need lots of repetitions to develop true expertise. I'm not saying otherwise. But there was a review paper where they looked at like all sorts of different sports and even disciplines like business management and just all these different areas. And they found the number of hours of deliberate practice only accounted for about 20 to 22% of the difference in performance, right? So th this, the number of sheer hours of practice is not the single thing that separates someone who's a really high-level person from someone who's shitty. It only accounts for 22% of what described the difference between the highest level from the lower level people. What it, was it, what, did it bring up what were the most important uh, factors? Lots of different stuff. Yeah. I mean, some of, it's, yeah. some of it's genetics, right? I mean, some of it's what you were born to do and your body type, and some of it's just your innate skill levels, and some of it's the, the type of practice you did, obviously. So there's, there's just something to be said for it. It's not just sheer volume of like, let me just cram in as many reps as I can as a youth athlete. And that's magically going to get me to the path. I mean, you've got to actually train deliberately, but also intelligently. And you've also got to have the damn genetics for it. And you've got to have, you know, other other variables uh, tuned in as well. But it's the idea that just 10,000 hours is going to make you an expert is, is nonsense. It doesn't. I, I would even say that probably that the grease the groove mentality and just about everything works better. Right. Where it's like, how can I do the best and stay as fresh as I can? Yeah, absolutely. Right? I, I, I would say that frequency and staying as fresh as you can and do it in, in excellence will, yes. will be faster than doing it more often and just that's, fucking crushing. That, that actually, I mean, I think that's an argument you can make about the high intensity thing. Like, you know how you train and see improvements? Like, stay healthy. And, and you train your ass off and you do just all this high intensity work. And now my shoulder starts hurting and then my low back starts bothering me, bothering me a little bit. And then on my knees kind of give me, now I can't train at 100%. So my training is shitty for weeks on end. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'd actually just managed my training and stress appropriately, I could have stayed healthy enough to train those four or eight weeks at 100% versus 60% or 80% or 70%. So consistency in the long run will always pay off in terms of performance or fitness or whatever. And again, if you sacrifice that by just killing yourself you're, and you pay the price in terms of consistency, you'll be better off in the long run, be more moderate. Now, now, you know, to get people to like see, I mean, awareness proceeds change, right? But like wearables, because I want to want to touch about wearables. Yep. And obviously, like Morpheus is, um, I, I I just got mine, which I'm excited about. But um, 
tracking, obviously, your recovery, your heart rate, your like everything, right? Yep. At what point in time, because first of all, like it, it does give you, I mean, anything that's, whether it's me tracking my sleep and going, holy shit, like didn't sleep good tonight, what happened? Right, creates awareness around it. And that in itself is massively powerful. Sure. Same thing with heart rate monitoring, like, whoa, like I didn't know I get here so fast, maybe I need to recover. Where does it, you know, and, and uh, you know, I say our friend Andy Galpin co-wrote a book called Unplugged where it talked, and it didn't, comp- I wouldn't say it didn't shit on wearables, but it just bring brunk to the forefront that like maybe some people would put too much into it. Yeah, them. I mean, I think it's 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 information, right? It's it's literally just information and feedback for you to make better decisions from. That's it. If you're trying to just rely on it without any sort of common sense or your own, uh, you know, your own concept and ideas being put in there, then yeah, it's not a coach by numbers thing. Like, yeah. you know, it's not a the human body's not uh, you know a computer. I mean, we have to understand the information, to make better decisions, but you can't just you know paint by numbers. So uh, you know, again, I've been using the HRV for I don't know almost 20 years now, and really what it's allowed me to do is again, it's just make better decisions about what's appropriate on a given day, and then also is, is you know, am I really improving in things? Because you know, HRV, for, you know, whole discussion is a great marker of just general conditioning, aerobic fitness. Am I going to go down and do lab testing and check my threshold, my VO2 max? Am I going to test that all the time? No, it's a pain in the ass. It's expensive, and I'm probably not going to do it. But HRV, if I can look at the trend, it's going to tell me, like, is my, you know, is that changing? Yes or no. Is my fitness getting better by looking at HRV? Yes or no. So I think we just use it as a tool to gather information, make better decisions. And I think we also use it as a tool to see, like, am I actually improving? Mm-hmm. Um, and then particularly, we look at, like, Morpheus or other tools that give you recovery. Then it's a lot of times, it's again, it's, it's, a, it's a guide of am I pushing too hard or am I not? And a lot of times, people's natural tendencies is to push too hard because, like, we've talked about the, the mindsets there. So it can be a tool that just keeps you honest, right? It can help you see, like, whoa, maybe this isn't uh, having the effect I thought it was. Maybe I actually am overdoing it. It's a, it's a reminder. It's a, you know, again, it's, it's a way to, to see what's happening internally rather than just externally. And so, yeah, I think if you go overboard where you're just collecting massive amounts of information and it's not really doing anything for you because you don't know how to interpret all of it, then it's just a waste of time. Or if the data you're collecting is totally inaccurate, it doesn't really mean anything. It's got to be you know, accurate and actionable and insightful, right? It's got to actually provide value. Otherwise, you don't want to actually waste time and money doing it. So one of the things that I noticed with clients when uh, you know we're doing HRV, and as that this and this proves to the point of that people actually don't know. It's kind of like uh, mindful eating, right? It, people are like, oh, just do intuitive eating, which I think has a place, but not at the beginning if you're trying to change because sure. what got you here it was intuitive eating, right? <laughs> intuitive <laughs> yeah, eating, exactly. Right? But it's this. I think it's the same for recovery, yep. right? Where hey man, like HRV is telling me like I'm I'm pretty fatigued, but I feel okay. Yeah. Now. Here's the thing. I feel okay, but yeah, I've, I've had four coffees today. You know, I feel okay, and yep. like maybe this is the only thing like I know, right? So I, I know for me, even just going through that 30 day uh, paleo IP thing was like by, by week three, I'm like, holy shit, I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, what like, but before, if you ask me, do I feel good? I'm like, yeah, I feel great. Yeah, just it, it, no contrast. Exactly. Right? It helps you, like I said, it helps keep you honest and it helps actually show you what's going on. You have to kind of face that and deal with it. It's funny, there's there's some sleep research in it. It basically is like, if you read uh, Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, which, which I think you did, I know you did, um, you know, he talked about the fact that everyone says like, oh, no, no, I can perform well on six or seven hours of sleep. Like, no, you can't. Like, you've just become used to a shitty level of performance that you think is yes. normal. But yeah. like, it's the same thing. It's like, well, no, no, no I'm fine. I can, I can train this much and get away with it. Mm, you can't though, actually. Like, you're just used to training shitty and being kind of beat up. And that's what data can help 
show you a lot of times. Yeah. It's like, maybe you're not actually as okay as you thought you were. Maybe you're actually not as improved. See, I mean, that's the, I think because we're a hedonic society, like we get used to <laughs> living like complete shit. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, absolutely. I mean, you could legitimately be, that's why I said, man, I would, I would fucking make these pills, whatever. Like if you're in a ton of pain, take the pill, feel great, but only for 24 hours and you go back to feeling like shit. So then you're like, oh my God, like I got to do something, right? Same thing with obesity, the same thing with anything else. Yep. It's just create contrast because most people are like, how are you doing? Like, I'm pretty good. Yep. You know, but it's like, but they'll be doing this shit all the time. Like, you're like, all right, ah, it's a shoulder. It's, you know, yeah. well, <laughs> it's normal, right? It, I mean, here's a symptom you're doing too much and this is when you're guilty of is if you fixed it or fixing it. If you were living on stimulants, like if you're living on coffee to get through your day, like, there's a reason that you're doing that. And it's mm -hmm. not because you're all right. It's because you're having to artificially take something to just get through the damn day. Like yeah. if you're in the Starbucks line four or five times a day and you're just living on coffee or bang or zip fizz or whatever, and that's it, all you do. It's not just like, I love coffee. No, no, no one likes coffee that much. I, like, I justified this for a long fucking time. <laughs> no, no it's, Joel, it's basically, Joel, you don't understand it's yeah. the flavor. You don't get it, man. No, if you were, if you were constantly having to live on caffeine to just get through the day, it's a sign there's something going on that's causing your body to not be able to do it on its own. Mm -hmm. You have to artificially take those stimulants in to just survive on a daily basis. Yeah. And, you know? and you've built that habit for years because your body's been doing that for years. That's not like my body's performing maximally. That's just like my body's scraping by and I'm so used to it by now that it feels normal to me. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. I mean, that's a great point though because I mean, I, I'll like, and you know, I'm a fitness professional and, and know my stuff. But I made justification because we all do, yeah, right? We all it's do. just like, nah, nah, man, it's, just, it's all good. Like yeah. I'm fucking healthy. I did it, but then there's stuff that like we're just so used to that that it is. Yep. Actually, you know, with, with with that said though, because we we talked about the book a lot, um, just the studies, like why we sleep, you know, how important. Like, because it's it's literally kind of almost at the top of the food chain. It is. It really it's is. The, it's you know, I mean, if you don't it's, sleep, it's the pillar. It's the, the yeah. biggest foundation of all everything. It, it, if your sleep is not, and you got, you know, check your sleep, and now there's apps and there's all types of different things that you can, you know, you can do and see what it's like. I mean, for me, it's actually drove me because I have a deviated septum to go like, man, I got to get this surgery because it's going to be so much better oh, yeah. for, for my sleeping and everything, right? Um, because you're, you're just fighting against, I mean, you don't get enough sleep, guess what? You're not getting enough recovery. No, and people's and, idea of enough sleep, I think, is skewed too. I mean, the reality is... I mean, eight, somebody, eight is minimum. For somebody who's eight. training hard, and that's, that's, but they'll even think of like, okay, I was in bed for eight hours, yeah, yeah, therefore yeah. I got eight hours. No, you didn't. I mean, yeah. you didn't sleep the entire, you didn't sleep the second your bed, or your head of the pillow till the second you went up, woke up. No, you weren't sleeping eight hours. If you were in bed eight hours, you're probably sleeping seven and a half, maybe less. And a lot of the research is like, you know, your average person. Well, if you're going to the gym four or five, six days a week, like you're not the you're average not person. person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would say the average person athlete slash somebody who trains hard in the gym, you know, eight and a half to nine hours of actual sleep is going to be what they're going to need. And there is no bullshit like, oh, I don't need that much. Yeah, you do actually you do. if you want to perform at a high level. I mean, can you survive on less? Yeah. yeah. But there's, are you going to thrive on less? No. And there was a very small percentage of people that could do less. Oh, I, they talked about the research. It's like half of a half of a percent. I mean, it's, it's, very, it's very, very, very small. Very small. So, I mean, that was, you know, that's, that's another punch in the face. And, you know, if you're sleeping four, Maybe you can't get to eight next by next year, but man, if you went yeah. got to six, your life would change. I mean, yeah. oh, you can, you, would. I mean, I think if you don't fix sleep, you're screwed. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're just, just you're, never, you're always limited. You're always, always limiting everything, yeah. from memory to motor control to fitness gains to longevity. I mean, they're just you're a everything. shittier person. Literally everything. Yeah, you're, <laughs> shittier, you're a shittier version because of yourself. Because guess what? Like you get you get up and you're tired. The first thing that happens, you're like, ah, fuck this. Yeah, everybody's a dick, right? But I mean, seriously, it's, yeah. it's, it's like help, fixing your sleep can fix a lot of stuff in your life um you know to bring it kind of all back together man because because this is you know what we're talking about right now 
I think sometimes for coaches it can get overwhelming, even though it doesn't have to be like from from a standpoint like, okay, man, how do I like put all this stuff together? Like my yep. clients have to be strength training. You know, if I got athletes, like, like they need power, they need strength, they need to do you know conditioning for sure. the sport. Uh, you know, bring it and need recovery, like bringing it all together. Because I mean, obviously that's what um, I would say what the certification helps do. And that's what's been so useful where every, for people that I know that I've I've recommended and they came back and they're like, man, like now shit is clear to me, right? Because it's like, where did I put all this stuff? And and of course, some of it is about also educating the client and being being good at explaining it in a very simple way. That's exactly what you have to do. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. If you can't, People always ask about buy-in. Well, buy-in is about belief, right? It's getting them to believe in your system, which you have to be able to explain your system to them in the first place or your thought process and reason. If you can't tell somebody in words they can understand why they need to do something, they're definitely not going to try to do it. It doesn't make any damn sense to them. So you've got to be able to, A, like put your system and your philosophy into words, and then B, make sure that those words are understood by the people you're communicating with. And as I would say as coaches and trainers, a lot of us, um, you know, tend to try to overcomplicate the shit out mm-hmm. of things and try to make ourselves sound smart by really using lots of big words. But that's fine if you're talking to another coach who knows what you're talking about. It's not so fine if you're talking to somebody you're training because they're not going to have a damn clue what you're talking about. Even if it's right, they're not going to have a clue. And it, But the thing is, education, see, that this is the thing that, you know, because we kind of talked about this, like people saying, like, oh, it needs to be more. I'm like, yo, first of all, how you have to be able to break it down, I think, even as to a coach and as a coach, so the coach can explain it to the marketplace. Because who are we doing it for, right? Yeah, Think exactly. about this, right? Like, we're, our, The coach's goal and mission is to help the client transform. Should be. Yeah, it, it should, correct. Should it should be, right? It should be. So why am I learning something in a way where I cannot then communicate this in, in, a, in a message or a story or whatever to where that person understands it? That's yeah. the goal. It not, is the goal. The goal is not to be like, listen, I know, like, let me, you know, kind of like break down all this stuff. And you got a person that's like, I don't fucking know what, what you're talking about. Yep. And how does it this relate to my goal and what matters to me and, you know, the meaning in my life? Like, man, if you can't do that, you've, you've lost. And so I feel like how do you, you know, the education in, in fitness, how do you take high level stuff, break it down and explain it in a way where this can get communicated and spread like wildfire so yeah. it becomes the new norm. You know yep. what I mean? Like, and I think that's what you've done very, very well. Um so, with that said, let me see. Hold on, man. Let's see if, if there's something else I haven't grilled you on. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, oh shit! Like that. This is this is important. Yep. Uh, this is important because I get this a bunch. Um, so, you'll hear this. You know, a lot of times, uh, somebody will say like, "Well, I'm just trying to put on muscle. Who gives a fuck about fit? Like, actually, <laughs> do you know? Uh, actually, do the least amount of cardio possible. Sure. Uh, where does that play in? Well, and also. Uh, how does it play in for somebody that wants to get leaner and maintain muscle? Because, of course, some, most people will be like, oh, yeah, I'm doing a lot of cardio because I'm trying to lose weight, right? But yep. talk a little bit about those two because they get brought up, brought up pretty much. Yeah, okay, so. okay. So let's say that someone says, oh, I just want to be, I want to put a bunch of muscle mass. And what's the best way to do that? Well, eat a shit ton of protein and take a lot of drugs and don't move other than that. <laughs> like, that's the honest to God truth. I mean, yeah. that's what bodybuilders flat out are doing. They're on shit tons of drugs. They're taking massive amounts of food. And they're really not moving a whole lot, so most of their energy is being devoted towards building muscle. Now, will you build a lot of muscle? Yeah, sure. you probably will. But will yeah. you die at a younger age? 
yeah. will you feel like shit afterwards yeah you probably will I mean I hate to bring this up but go watch a documentary on Ronnie Coleman and decide is that the life that I want to end up living mm-hmm. I mean that's obviously way extreme, far extreme but, yeah, still, but, it's, but it's still it dem- yeah yeah you have to make trade-offs in life right everything has a trade-off I mean it's a there's, there's a pluses and minuses if I want to put all my eggs in the basket of like hey I want to build as much muscle as possible then yeah, you're probably not going to do a whole lot of cardio, but you're going to pay the price for that in terms of your overall health and in terms mm-hmm. of your longevity, in terms of your risk of different you know things down the road. So if that's your only goal in life and you don't care if you fall apart in your 50s and have a damn heart attack, but that's go for the, it, But that's right? why I think it's so... so but that's the price you, you, you've got to realize. Nothing's for free. Yeah, Nothing is for free. You can't say my goal is to build as much muscle as possible and I'm willing to sacrifice that unless you realize like, yeah, you actually are sacrificing your health in the process. Most people aren't really looking to do that. They might say that, yeah, but, but that's not really they're, what they're, they're looking not. to do. They're just trying to build muscle, in which case, like, yeah, let's say you sacrificed, I don't know, a half pound of muscle because you did some cardiovascular work that kept you healthy and kept you moving and kept you feeling good. Most people would say that's worth it because you're not even going to see a half pound of muscle, for God's sakes. So most people you know, that are training, they're not willing to make that sacrifice. They might think like, oh, I really want to build muscle. But the reality is, no, they want to feel good. They want to look good. But they also want to be able to move. They want to be healthy. They want all those things too. They don't really just want the far extreme of that. They, they, uh, you know, might say that, but they don't. I mean, they want to have a combination. I mean, I, I feel like everybody wants to be a certain level of fit, which is, you know, to me always an interesting thing, right? Because if you say I want to be fit, I say I want to be fit. Uh, you know, somebody that's a hobby and jits, like, like, listen, I want to be able to roll for two, three hours. I'm yeah. like, hey, I want to be able to go hike for eight and play basketball for two and a half and still look jacked, right? Yeah, exactly. Everybody's got their, what fit means to them. But I think that's, I think that this is where, because you can't be fit without conditioning. No, you can't. It's not possible. So understand, but that's why understanding it is so important to where it's not just like, okay, cool. Well, look, uh, I'm going to go and do some super high level sprints for 60 seconds on and whatever, two minutes off and I'm going to lift weights. But I want X, Y, Z. Like you have to understand what input creates output? Yes, exactly. In in and how does it all work together? Like, hey, am I lifting weights for two hours, six days a week? But then I'm also doing four super hard conditioning sessions. Well, listen, unless like what you said is you're taking a two hour nap in between the day, you don't have much stress in your life, you don't have much to do. Like, yeah. maybe that'll work. But if not, like less could be more, or should be say the right thing is the right thing when it comes to to that. And like. And that's why, like, I, I feel like I feel like not only, um, I mean, coaches. This is a must. It's like we just had FRC here, and I was like, that's one of the things people must like understand, like joint health. You gotta understand it. Like, you if if you're a coach and not understanding, that's crazy. It's like you must understand energy systems. You, right? have, I mean, you, you have to understand the big picture because, again, ninety nine percent of your people that you train, they want to live longer. They want to feel better. They want to be healthy. They want to, you know performance is always important but unless you're getting paid a million dollars a year to perform like your health matters for god's sakes yeah. and some people you know are willing to sacrifice health for performance but 99 percent of people you're going to work with aren't like they want to be healthy they want to uh you know have a level of fitness that allows them to continue to live well and to not fall apart as they age and older people you're working with the more important that becomes to them so you have to understand conditioning you you have to understand energy systems you can't just neglect that or you can't just simplify it to the point of like, oh, we're just gonna do a bunch of sprints at the end of our workout and we've got our bases covered. Well, okay, well then just go do a couple sets of squats and see you've got strength figured out. I mean, that's it takes more than that, you know? It's, it's not, I mean, like I said, we talked about this two years ago, but 
the, and it's still here where it's like the randomness of condition. Oh, it's it, totally it's, random for most people. If you do random in strength training, most people kind of go like, what the fuck are you doing, right? Like you're, you're, but if, but if you do random in conditioning. Unless you're doing CrossFit, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going to throw it in there, baby. I know you're going to throw it Not in there. Not to bash on it, but uh, you know, randomness, generally speaking, in any sort of training and, and or it, life it, in general. Yeah, like, but the thing is it's happening. You know, like here's the thing, though. Like it's happening. You know, um, we, you know, we pull out CrossFit. And I we think we both agree that, like, we know CrossFit's to do great work. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's, it's more I, think cross, I think the, the good CrossFit gyms out there now, they're not doing things at random. They have no. methods and, Everything has, and is, principles. Everything is structured. And there may be some variety of exercises, but they understand yeah. the big picture of training, and it's not random. They actually have put some structure to it. And the better gyms absolutely. out there, you know, they've taken maybe the principles or some of the exercises in CrossFit and figured out how to train intelligently and deliberately. I mean, look at yep. James Fitzgerald, OPEX, and a lot of these guys have... Uh, you know, I've seen that at CrossFit gyms, like what they're doing is not really what CrossFit started, started as. Yeah. They're doing an intelligently designed training program that's using the principles to try to achieve, you know, CrossFit competition or, or the, you know, the, the exercises that people use in CrossFit. But they're not doing things at random. They're doing things intelligently. But there's, but there, but to, to, but there's also other gyms that's not CrossFit that are doing random dumb stuff. Yeah, like, so so that, that, I think that's what it comes down to that, yeah, sure, I, I think certain um, – I would say sectors, whether it was like, you know, the rise of CrossFit, there was a lot of randomness going on. Yep. But now it's happening just in like high intensity group training. No, you it's know, just because uh, if you don't know any better, then what do you do? Yeah, exactly. I don't know, just try this, see what happens. I mean, that's literally, if you don't understand how energy systems work, you don't really get what condition is, you don't understand methodology behind it, then what are you left with? Like, let's just throw some shit at the wall and make it hard. So that means, you know what, the, the thing is, so number one, step one is like, you know, know better. Right, you know better. You, you do better. the importance of it. I would say, if you recognize the importance of conditioning, then you should be driven to know better. If yeah. you don't think it's yeah. important, then you're like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'll just do some stuff at the yeah. end. But you've got to recognize, like, no, it's actually really, really important. If your if your goal is to actually help people, and once you recognize that, then your goal should be like, well, shit, it's really important, and I don't really understand it that well. I don't feel confident in my ability to write a program effectively, so I better fix that. Mm-hmm. And then that's where I think the path of and, uh, for, for everybody, I, like for everybody that's listening, that's a coach specifically. You know, I, like if this is triggering you, good. Like the, you know, like I, I know in my life there was something that I learned, and I was like, shit, I don't know enough about this, and this no. is really important. Like I'm jumping on it because it's yeah. unethical. I mean, it's, it, look, it's just kind of like one of those things. You don't assess a person, uh, you know, they can't get overhead and overhead flexion, but now I'm having them do jerks and push presses and chin ups and. Like, yep. that's unethical, especially if you know it, right? Yep. But I, th- I think in my experience in, you know, if you want to just lump people in two categories, because you kind of can, I would say you can take two people and one of them, you know, find something they really suck at and they're like, oh, I suck at that. I don't want to do that. And then the other person says, man, I suck at that. I've got to fix that. I've got to learn mm. about that. It's pretty damn obvious who's going to be more successful. What, I don't care if you're talking about coaching or business or whatever. In the long run, like the person who's willing to say, I suck at something, therefore I need to not suck at something. I'll do whatever it takes to learn and get better so that I'm, you know, at least it's not a weakness to me. Maybe it's not my greatest strength in the world, but at least it's not keeping me from being good at what I do. You know, that's the person to be successful. You can look at any sport. MMA is a great example because you have these, you have so many fighters who are really good at one aspect of the game. Maybe they're great at wrestling or they're great at striking or whatever the case may be. If that's all they do, sooner or later, someone exposes a weakness and they get knocked out or they get tapped out or they, they run into a wall. They're just, they can't make it to the next level because they have such a big hole in their game. It's the same thing in coaching. If, if you're like, if you recognize like, hey, conditioning is important and B, I don't really know how to do it. You can either A, eh, do nothing or B, 
close that gap and, and figure it out because that's the only way you're actually going to progress as a coach, which is the only way your people and athletes are going to progress towards their own goals. So, you know, there's two people in the world. It's the one that says, I suck at this, I'm going to get better, or the one that says, eh, screw that, I don't, I don't care. And me personally, I believe the person that says, I don't care, you're going to be in a relic. In five, about like three, four, five yeah. years, I'm telling you, you're going to be in a relic. If there's certain things that you don't know, it's slowly it's, it's, it's moving to that direction where you're going to die. So you, you got to... People can tell the difference in the, the day. At least they will, they will... The more people that, you know, take a more holistic approach and understand this, the more it's going to be difficult for you to compete with them. You're going to get crushed if you don't know how to do certain elements of fitness. And you're just going to look, like you said, you're going to look like an idiot because you don't know what you're doing and half the stuff yep. that you're doing. It'll be more obvious about who's an idiot and who's not. Yep. And I wish we could have played that music from the long night where everything is getting, the hope is getting crushed. <laughs> that would have been it. <laughs> right, to, end it to end it off though, man, like where, where can people find out more about you? I'm going to, we're going to push Joel to do more on IG, by the way. We, we have to, everybody has to follow Joel and then send him a DM to, to push more on IG. That's what we're trying to do. But now, where, right. where can people find more about you? Yeah, um, I mean. And about the search specifically. Eightweeksout.com, just number eight weeks out. It's eight weeks my, out. my home for almost, I've had site about 10, 11 years now. So yeah. uh, there's just a big tab. It says certification, and that's essentially the big conditioning you course can't. we've been talking about where we go through all the stuff, teach coaches how to implement programs, build programs, talk about methods and strategies, and give them templates and the whole nine yards. So if, if you're a coach or trainer and you're just like, man, I, I recognize conditioning's important. I really don't know, don't know where to start. I've been doing you know random high-intensity stuff, and maybe it's time to take my game next level. The certification is really the place to go. It's 18 hours plus material mm -hmm. for myself, Mike Robertson, Bill Hartman. And I was, I was about to Mike. say, because I mean, I've everybody in. Like, yeah, because I've done it. So I do shit multiple times to get really good at it. Uh, so I've done it now, like honestly going through it for the third time. But Joel's improved it every time. Like the, the cert keeps improving, by the way. Like yeah. it keeps improving. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Yeah. I, I've always been the type that's like, man, I suck at something. I'm going to figure yeah. it out. Or... Yeah. Hey, this this is this is still lacking this. Like I'm gonna fix that. So this yeah. latest round, you know, I kind of looked at through the search and said, what can we really improve? And I, I realized there wasn't as much on, uh, you know, like soft tissue management and, and joint health as I'd like there to be. Mm -hmm. So I brought in Kabuki Strength and Chris Duffin to go through their methodology of how they yeah. treat it. And you know, Chris is a strong, strong bastard, and he, he <laughs> stays in the yes, game yeah. and lifts monster weights and keeps training. There's a reason for that. So. Uh, you know, I added Chris Duffin and the Kabuki team to add in soft tissue management and their approach to it and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's just about it's always about finding things that need to be improved and figuring out the best way to yeah, improve and them. I, so. Man, and I stay around this guy a lot. We, we hang out a lot. And like this, this is a dude that definitely is committed to that. And he is. The, the protector of the realm of conditioning. Right. So you don't get this shit twisted. There's nobody <laughs> out there like that, all right? So go to eightweeksout.com. Honestly, like it's the best. I, when people ask, it's always hard to answer that question. Like, man, what are the things that I got to do? You know, the certifications I got to do? Because I've done so many and I feel everyone pretty much has a benefit, at least to some degree. But this is one of those where I'm like, it's going to be in, a, in my top three. I'm like, you, you got to do this. Have you done this? You haven't. Go do that shit now. Um, and, and like I said, I stand behind it because it's done a ton for me. It's done a ton for my team and everybody I've recommended it to. So make sure you get that. All right. Um, well, hopefully, not hopefully, we'll, we'll get you back on the show. We're talking about- Next time uh, in helicopter, preferably. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're Why are we in a helicopter right now is a question. That you know what that's a that's an interesting question and uh, one I'd like for you to answer for. Yeah, well, <laughs> next time, uh, the, we're going to do a podcast inside of the helicopter, uh, which is one of my favorite things to do. Joe is like go up in the helicopter and uh, 
talk about life. Um, With that said, love and appreciate you guys. As always, hey, we love a review. Uh, Love sharing it. That's how the word spreads. So always thankful for that. And I'll see you in the next episode of the Video Life Podcast. Peace out.